This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. In this week's podcast, we offer a reflection on the story of the transfiguration as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. And for this second week of Lent 2024, we consider what it might be to relate to this God who helps us get unstuck. What I'm going to propose to offer for us this morning is what I will call a reading on these texts. So I am not going to stand up here and presume that I know fully all that's going on and explain it to you in great detail because I'm just not that smart. So I will offer to you my own reading of what these uh, ancient episodes have for us to help us understand what what God may be asking of us in the here and now. So this is simply a reading. And to begin, I want to uh, let you know when when you're a a would-be or wannabe preacher and you go to seminary and you go to preaching class on one of the first days they pull out this old saying that they beat into your head, and it it goes like this, uh, that every text without a context is simply a pretext. And that's their way of saying, when you're going to talk about an episode from the Bible, you have to keep it in its context to really have some understanding of what's going on. And so the context of the story that Will read to the beautiful music on the episode on Mount Tabor, where Jesus is transfigured in front of his friends, Peter, James, and John. The context of that is really significant. This is a point in Mark's Gospel, which runs about 16 chapters. This is about right in the midway, and it's the linchpin from what precedes and what will follow. And From this point in Mark's gospel onward, Jesus is solely focused on his coming death and resurrection. He's like a horse with blinders. Everything is about his uh, coming crucifixion. And so if we back up just a few verses uh, in chapter 8 of Mark's gospel starting in verse 27, Jesus and his followers are in a region of the area called Caesarea Philippi, which I I believe is on the Mediterranean coast, a couple of villages. And while they're there, they're walking there, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, who's everybody, what's everybody think I am? How do they understand me? And some of them pipe off, well, some think you're, Uh, Elijah, come back from the dead. Some think you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead, or maybe a prophet like Jeremiah. Everybody's got opinions. And then Jesus said, okay, okay. What do you guys think? Who do you think I am? And Peter, under divine inspiration, it's believed, blurts out, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, all right, all right. Don't tell anybody that, because you'll get us into all kind of big trouble." So keep that one under your hat. And so, right after that, it says in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31, he says, Then Jesus began to teach them that he must undergo great suffering 
and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him beside and said, you don't want to talk like that. You don't have to do that. That's, that's crazy talk. That's, you, oh, there's got to be a different, oh, you don't want to do that. And Jesus looks at one of his closest friends, Peter, and he says, Satan, get thee behind me. Because you have what's in mind, what people want. You don't have in mind what God wants. And so Jesus yells at one of his best friends, stop it. And then Jesus calls the crowd of his disciples and he says to them, if you want to become my followers, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, which is an implement of death, and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it. And those who will lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the good news will save it. For what will it profit you to gain the whole world and forfeit your life? Indeed, what can you give in return for your life? Now those are pretty scary words, aren't they? But that's the kind. So it's right from that, Jesus takes his friends up onto Mount Tabor and is transfigured in front of them. So what is going on? Well, here's the reading I suggest. So all that stuff about you've got to lose your life, you've got to be willing to die for my sake, you've got, which sounds so scary to us, well, unbeknownst to Nancy Wilkinson, who did our children's moment, she sent me an email last night or this morning, hey, you might use this in your sermon. And so this is a quote from Joseph Campbell, the great mythologist, Joseph Campbell, who taught on all the world's religions. And Joseph Campbell, this is the quote Nancy sent to me. So this is Joseph Campbell talking. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. The old skin has to be shed before the new one can come. If we fix on the old, we get stuck. When we hang on to any form, we are in danger of putrefaction. Hell is life drying up. The hoarder, the one that wants to keep, to hold on, must be killed. If we're hanging on to the form now, we're going to miss the form that comes next. You can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. So that's Joseph Campbell. Now how is that all that different than what Jesus said? I think it's very similar. It's just Joseph Campbell puts it in more modern language that doesn't sound so scary to us. But I believe what Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to put to death that egoic, selfish nature inside of you that wants, wants, wants to control and be in charge of my life and have everybody look at me and do what I say and be looking at me while they do what I say and listen to me and think I'm... We have to put that aside. We have to, in the language of the text, put it to death to encounter the life that is waiting for us. To give up 
our control of being selfish and being, as Joseph Campbell says, the hoarder. So I think that is the, very much the spirit of what Jesus was saying to his friends. So Jesus then goes up to Mount Tabor with Peter, James, and John and has this incredible encounter with God, with the divine one. Now often, when preachers preach on this text, they'll say things like, well, this is just Jesus really showing his true self, like Superman. He takes the Clark Kent suit off, and you see he's really supernatural. And it's like, it's like he's really God just pretending to be a human being, and the light shines through it. Uh, that doesn't, I have to say, that just does not resonate as true helpful for me. And then we have Moses and Elijah there, and the, the, tr- the interpretation that's often given, Moses represents the great lawgiver of the Jewish religion, and Elijah is the great prophet of the Jewish religion. And it's as if to say God is saying, listen to Jesus. Jesus has more to offer than the law and the prophets which for the hearers of the day would have been the Bible. The the Bible was often referred to in Jesus' day as the law and the prophets. And so Jesus is a more authoritative, truthful one to follow than the Bible. So that's an interpretation that's often given. Here's the way I read it, though. I wonder if what's being done here is that God has come to Jesus to encourage Jesus to continue on the road that Jesus knows full well is going to lead to his painful death. And that Moses and Elijah, two great heroes of the Jewish tradition, have come to encourage him. Don't quit. Don't give up. Stay the course. Because here's where it becomes important to me. What if God is really encountered as we're going? As we're going through the difficulties of life, remember a few weeks ago I referenced to you in Genesis 3, 14, I believe, where we encountered that word Yahweh. Yahweh is a verb, not a noun. And that if we're going to encounter God, it's in the going, in the living of our life, in the difficulties of our life, in the fear and the insecurity of not knowing what's going to happen. It's as we go through that, that's, where we encounter the living one as we're going through life and all of its craziness and celebrations and joys, the ups and the downs, that it's in the going that we encounter God. And what if on the Mount of Transfiguration, God has come and Moses and Elijah there say, Jesus, don't quit, don't give up. Go on, go on. I will be with you. Don't be... It's not going to end at Calvary. The death is not the end. There is more to come. Trust me on this. An encouragement to go on through. Because as we face and go through the difficulties of our life, trusting that God is with us, that's where we might encounter this one we call God. I read this story in this text in, in this way. That as we're going, God will be with us. And and we talk about this connecting with God or being in the flow with God. And and the image that's come to me as I was preparing this, it's much like a a, a fish in the ocean trying to connect with water. 
I mean, our trying to connect with God is just as silly as a fish in the ocean looking for water. That, that God is all around us and with us as we're going through. And the connection is available to us. Now the Buddhists, I, I like to read Buddhist texts because they help me in my own Christian understanding of things. The Buddhists have a saying that when the Buddha awakened, Siddhartha, when Siddhartha had his great awakening, all of humanity was awakened. And the, the, the way I understand it, and I'm not a Buddhist expert by any stretch, but the way I understand it is because we're all interconnected, we're all part of each other, when the Buddha had an awakening, it became possible for everybody to have an awakening. And I'm wondering if it's something similar here. Because of what Jesus did, coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, continuing on his journey, going to Jerusalem, facing his death and resurrection, because of what Jesus did, we now, all human beings, have the opportunity to connect with the Holy One we call God. That whatever it was Jesus did, and whatever it all means, that it opened the way for all of us to enter into that life and to know God as Jesus knew and knows God. What if, what if that's what this is about? That's what I think when I, when I read these stories. And to connect it with the Genesis tale of Abram and Sarai, God interrupted the life of a 99-year-old man and his wife and brought forth from them a nation, a people. God interrupted their story, their stuckness. And God interrupted the story of Peter, James, and John, three fishermen from Capernaum and changed their lives by what happened through Jesus and the encounter with Jesus that God gave them. And so what if God is about changing our life stories where we get stuck? And it's in the going as we face the difficulties and the problems. In the going that we try to hide from and run from that we encounter the living one. One of the things I take great comfort in in this, this story I've read to you is Peter, one of the people that knew Jesus the best, was dumber than a doorknob. When Jesus talks about going to die, Jesus, Peter tried to talk him out of it, got it wrong then. And then when they're up on the Mount of the Transfiguration, Peter wants to build shelters for them all to sit because you can't build a shelter. You can't. God isn't a fixed place, thing, something. God's always moving. And so you can't build a shelter and say, so Peter got it all wrong. And if Peter, who knew Jesus much better than you and I do, always got it wrong, you think you and I will too? Probably. But it's in the going, as we go, that we will encounter this one that Jesus so loved and trusted. And whatever it was he did has made it available for all of us to know this one and to walk with this one.